0: Newcastle Fans TV.
1: Hello, welcome back to the Green and Wellness Show podcast, episode number 97. And it's back on the Newcastle United player. Right yeah. Things. We're talking to Tom Allen, who's literally just been released by Newcastle, but it has been at the club for 10 years, he's gone through all the different age groups, he's he
2: got an assist, Sam, for Linton. What a claim no to fame. What a claim to fame. Yeah, um, as we were just saying before we started recording this, an incredibly switched on lad. Um, 22 years of age. Mature head on his shoulders, which can't always be said for, for footballers of that age. Um, yeah, I, again, like um, like we've had Owen Bailey on in the past, Dan Barlet, that they're... The, Cracking lads that um, Newcastle have been very fortunate to to bring along and, and bring up in the world, and it's a shame it hasn't worked out for them at the club. And but they'll move on and have a great career. Um, at the time of recording, but you know, by the time you listen to this, maybe Tom has got a club um, because he won't be short of offers. I guarantee you. Um, but at the moment, he hasn't got a club. He's just been away on holiday, clear his head, and get himself ready and motivated for for a new start a new a new challenge so um we wish him the best of luck but you're in for a treat it's an incredibly open and honest and um good 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 conversation
1: it's a real insight into what a ben dawson does at newcastle united what a steve harper does at newcastle united Shola Amiobi. he talks about his time training with the first team and some of the players that surprised surprised him in particular, we're not going to spoil who it is, you're going to have to listen on, but there's some really, really good stories, isn't there, Sam?
2: Yeah. What people do, what certain people didn't do. um, You know, it's incredibly honest without throwing anyone under the bus, really. So, yeah, so he, he was in and around the first team from, well, not the first team, but, Training with the first team every now and again from from when he was with the under eighteen, really. so through Rafa, Steve Bruce, and a little bit with Eddie Howe before his time at the club, unfortunately come to an end. Um, yeah, it's it's a real insight, which is something we don't always get to get to hear about.
1: Yeah, I think I think in the last few podcasts that we've done, I, I, the Paul Simpson one which you would have listened to, and and the one that you're going to listen to, it. I, you can't be helped but fascinated by mm. what the club used to be like, and hopefully they'll never get back to that sort of way of things.
2: That's a good point, Paul Simpson, manager of Carlisle. Tom Allen needs a club. Maybe we, maybe we could turn into an agency. Ooh. Set it up. Take a, What what percentage do agents take these days?
1: I have to say, we'll, we'll say twenty percent signing on fee. We'll get ten percent each.
2: So we'll have a, probably, a, a, well, probably earn more doing chicken. but
1: I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to bet on it.
2: Well, exactly. I don't know. But, yeah, maybe we could. Who knows? Maybe there's a conversation to be had there. I mean, well, I'm sure Carlisle would love a player like Tom Allen. Um, but, yeah, it, again, but the, the pair offered fascinating insight, both really good, open, honest, hard-working individuals. So, well, maybe they're a match made in heaven. Who knows? Who knows, indeed. But I think
1: what, what what we have to try and remember is that these lads have played for Newcastle. They've put on the black and white shirt. They've played, and they can that can't be taken away from them. So I'm like, we would do anything for that. We would. I don't know. I don't know what I would do to, to do to do what they've done. But to have that moment, like Tom will tell you about, it's a, it's an incredible feeling. I can only imagine.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, and as you say, that can't be taken away from him. Tom came on at St James's Park for his home debut in the cup and got an assist. It's it's, um, it's just a shame that he wasn't given the chance to really capitalise on that, but given the circumstances of the club at the time, and not all managers want to risk it with the kids, do they? But, you know, he'll have a good career in the game, I've no doubt about that. You'll
1: never win anything with kids.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. Maybe the previous manager should have thought about that a bit more. But there you go. You never
1: know. You never know. But I'd be, I'd, honestly, you'd want to be listening to this because it's really, really fascinating. And I'm sure it'll give you a different perspective on what Newcastle United used to be and hopefully we'll never get back to that, as I've mentioned. But it's really, really interesting. Uh, big thanks to Tom for his time because he was really really good and like I said really switched on lad. And again me and Sam would, look, would like to wish him the best of luck on whichever club he goes to and how he will definitely help them in the near future but let's get ready for episode number 97 this is the Greenwood and Mulliner show and it is with Tom Allen The Greenwood and Mulliner show on Newcastle Fans TV Hello everyone, welcome back to the Greenwood of the, Morning, the Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Today we're joined by a man who has played for Newcastle United for 10 years in all different age groups. And he managed to get an assist for Newcastle's player of the year last year in his home debut at St. James's Park in the FA Cup game against Rochdale. It is of course Tom Allen. Tom, welcome to the show.
0: Nice to see you, boys. Looking forward to it.
1: Tom, um, Newcastle United, for the last 10 years, seems to be a story in itself, really. So you've probably experienced so many different things. Um, I, th- I think the first question is, how has it been just recently? Because, of course, you have just been released by the club, as opposed to you yourself, that wasn't a massive secret. But have you managed to get your head around it yet? Or what's the um, overwhelming...
0: Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. I think, to be honest, you've just got to be real with yourself. I think I'm 22 now, do you know what I mean? If, if I was going to be breaking into the first team, it would have happened the two years ago when I was when I was in and around it, sort of thing. So, I think it's just about being honest with yourself. And to be honest, a fresh start probably is what I need now.
2: I'm guessing as well, given because I think from from every year, obviously, there's a list of players from whether it be first team academy. There's a list of players that are always released, whatever club you're at, whatever level. But I think Tom, it's fair to say, I think you were the headline name from all them names that got released from the academy. So on that, I'm guessing clubs, whether it be Championship League One, whatever, that are just going to be queuing up to get your signature this summer?
0: <laughs> well, I hope that's the case. Anyways, um, yeah, I think being like in and around the first team for probably about the, t- the year or the two years that I was has definitely helped when it comes to the, the situation I'm in now. But yeah, there's been some conversations with clubs. But like I said before, I go to Barcelona on Friday. So I'm going to go there, enjoy that and then come back and then sit down and see what options I have.
1: Sure you'll have plenty of options and enjoy Barcelona. I believe it should be fantastic for you. But I know it's obviously ten years ago. But I suppose for any kid, like myself and Sam, and clearly when we were probably the same age as you ten years ago, that moment when you get told Newcastle United want you, and Newcastle you're going to sign for Newcastle United,
0: and wear the black and white kit for the first time, as a as a kid, it must be the best feeling ever in the world. Yeah, I think well, I think I had a bit of a weird weird way of getting into it. To be honest, so I was at Crumlin Juniors and the goalkeeper that played for Cramlington was a goalkeeping coach at Newcastle. Um, and he was like pushing the scouts to come watch and stuff. And then I think it took quite a while for um, for someone to finally come and, come and have a look at us. And then once it did, I got offered the sort of the six week trial and stuff. <clears throat> and I played on trial for the five weeks and then I literally couldn't score a goal to save my life. And I was thinking, oh God, I've wasted this opportunity. You know what I mean? Everyone would die for this chance. And then we played Blackburn at home and I think we drew 2-2 and I scored two and coach at the time was like oh we're gonna offer you something but he told me dad not me and I always remember I was getting something out the garage and then my dad just opened the garage door he went we're gonna offer you something and I was like you're just like blank you know what I mean like you don't know whether I just like laugh cry it's like all your dreams have like came true sort of thing crazy to be honest
2: I mean, 10 years ago as well, Like the first team were doing well as well. <laughs> They're one good season under the previous yeah, yeah. owner. So, you, you've got to be thinking you're 12 years old now, all of a sudden you're essentially playing at the same club as Hatton Ben Arthur, Denver Bar, Johan Kabai That's got to be pretty surreal for who's not even a teenager yet.
0: Yeah, it was it was crazy. I think when I was on trial, the club asked us to be the ball boy for one of the Europa League games. I can't remember, but it was one of the qualifying games. And I think Harris Vukic scored. And it was just like oh, yes, yeah, I was yeah. just thinking, like out of all the years I've supported Newcastle, the one year I get involved with Newcastle and I'm on the ball boy for Europa League, I was like, it could stop now and I'd still be happy. Do you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> when when you see playing the first the first couple of years of, of the academy, at what point do you go right? I feel comfortable, or did they never let you make? Did they never make you
0: feel uncomfortable? If that makes sense? Um, I'm not really sure. For me, I think. I didn't really feel like I was sort of one of the better players to be to be frank until probably about under 16s, to be honest. I always thought from like when I joined the under 12s, I was sort of just scraping through every year. Um, but I think one of my one of me big things is I've got a lot of pace. <clears throat> so I think the club sort of noticed that and they said, right, we'll keep sort of banking on them and it'll it'll pay off in the end. And I think got to about sixteens. And then started scoring quite a few goals in the 16s. Started playing a few games for the under 18s when I was still 16. So it wasn't until then when I thought I can hold my own, sort of thing.
2: When you scored all these goals that, like, under 18s, and then when you moved up to the 23s where you you were making an impact, did it not sort of maybe frustrate you a bit? Or maybe, like, did you have in your own thoughts that? if I keep doing this, they're going to have to give me a chance, like, even if it's just a cup game or whatever, particularly as maybe at the time there have been, there have been times with, where the first team have been lacking a bit of creativity or lacking some um, killer instinct in front of goal. Do you not think, well, I'm your guy, I'm here, waiting, ready?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think everyone probably is chomping at the bit to get a chance, you know what I mean? And I remember my first season of the under-23s was when, when Elias Sorensen was flippily scoring from all like every angle and all that sort of thing, and me and him are like we're best friends. So I remember we were saying during that season we were like the first team couldn't score goal. You know what I mean? And I was like, like if they're not going to give you a chance now, like what do you have to do? Um, so we had like Elias Sorensen that year, Carl Roberts the same year, and they were like firing in from every game. And then I was thinking, fua, I've got a lot to do if if I'm going to get a chance. And then, but for whatever reason they moved on, what have you? And then it was a me the next year in the 23s that was scoring quite a lot of goals. And then I think at the time, it was in January and there was quite a lot of injuries. So I was thinking, am I going to get in? Am I not? Started training with them quite a lot, pretty much every day. And then from there, everything just sort of tumbled into place, I think.
1: I think that's a really good point that you made about um, the legs of Roberts and Sorensen in that, in that season. I think it was Rafa's last season at the Football Club. Did the likes of a Rafa or a Steve Bruce like watch in the 23s Or was it the case of Ben Dawson saying to the first team, "Going look, we've got a few players, give them an opportunity"? Or was it? It was kind of was it kind of like it's their way or no way essentially? Uh,
0: I think it it did change a little bit when Steve Bruce came in. I can't remember much of Rafa watching games to be honest. Um, I definitely know when Steve Bruce came in, Steve uh, Steve Agnew and Steve Clemens were watching quite a few games. To be fair. Um, and that's when Steve Harper came into that role in between. Um, definitely for me, I think, well, me and Hopps have got a great relationship. We're, we speak pretty much all the time. Um, so when he sort of came into that role, it was a lot more of like a bridge between the 23s and the first team. Um, but yeah, that first year when Rafa was there, I don't think there was much, much of that bridge. And obviously Ben Dawson wasn't in that role that he is now as well. So um, that's probably why they didn't really get the chance. And true, if the first team are struggling, you might not want to chuck a young lad in. You know what
2: I mean? Like, Rafa's obviously a genius, master tactician, or whatever. But I imagine, like, as a player, particularly as a young player, like, you'd never really know where you were with him because, I mean, it's like, Cal Roberts get gets the chance against Blackburn, didn't he? He scored as well, didn't he? Yeah, he scored. Yeah. yeah. And then a couple of months later, he's released. Like, oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember there was one time me and uh, me and Owen Bailey trained with Rafa and the squad and stuff, and we done the training session and afterwards he wanted to do a team talk about, I don't know who they were playing, for example, Burnley on a Saturday. And he pulled all the team away and he went, oh, you used to just go and stand over there. So he didn't want us to hear what he was going to say. So me and him were just standing there, like passing it around with a kit man while he's doing like some tactics and stuff. And I was like, well, the only way I'm going to learn from you is if I can hear everything that you're saying and that sort of thing. But that's just how he is. And like you say, he's a genius. So whatever works for him, that's his way. Do you know what I mean?
1: I must be it must be frustrated frustrating there I think you but I think you're being very polite there because if that was me I'd be thinking well hold on a second. I'm I've just done a training session with you. I just like everyone talks about how good you are. I want that extra five ten percent. Did, you, did yourself and Owen like even think after the after that little talk, you think can we go and speak to him just like say can you like, Yeah that that's the maybe, thing I think after the session
0: after the session we just sort of shook his hand I think Probably as if I was in the position I'm in now I would go and say something but <clears throat> at the time I was probably only 18 like shy didn't want to say anything. Um now I'm probably a bit more experienced and I would go and say like oh what's this what's that. But yeah at the time I think you just sort of want to keep your head down and make sure you don't step out of place.
2: There's obviously some great talents right here in that under 23 squad as well but <laughs> would you did you prefer to stay in and around the under-23s, or were you kind of desperate for a loan move so you could get proper first team? I know you had a couple of loan spells at Accrington and, and and up in Scotland as well, but there's a few of them lads in that squad, and I'd put you in that category as well, that from the outside looking in, maybe had sort of frustrating loan spells and not proper good quality loan spells.
0: Yeah, to be honest, I've, I've thought about that a lot. Um, I wouldn't say I regret the loans that I went on. I think... At the, at the, if I go back in time, I would do the same thing now. Um, like If you look at Elliot Anderson, he went to League 2 and he's absolutely ripped it up. Matty Longstaff's done well at Mansfield, I think. If you look at both of them, you'd think, why are they going to League 2? Do you know what I mean? But they've both done really well and it'll probably set them up for next year. Um, so you never know how the loan's going to go until you get there. Um, I think when I was first year, 23s, like Dalton or someone wanted to take us on loan at the time, I was thinking, oh, Dalton, I don't want to go there. I'm way too good for that. you know what I mean? But you need sort of a reality check when you think there's lads at Dalton that have been in my position. They've probably played a lot higher than I have. Um, so I think a loan's good, like you say, if it's the right loan. But even if it's not the right loan, you learn so much. I think uh, like Elliot Dickman, the 23s manager now, and Chris Hogg, the manager before, with both, I've had chats with both of them where they've said, like, I've came back sort of like a different different player sort of thing like you learn how to draw fouls you learn how to have a go at people but have a go at people in the right way um, and that sort of thing I remember when I went on loan to Accrington, my first league game in League 1 played Burton away we were drawing 1-1 my man scored off a corner in the 92nd minute and we got b 2-1 and I was like that's my first game in League 1 and then came in I'm getting absolutely hammered off all the lads this isn't 23's football anymore you need to pull your finger out and all that and I'm thinking I've I'm in for a long ride here. Yeah. And then the next week it's sort of forgot about. It's on to the next game. But you don't learn that sort of thing in twenty threes. I think the performance is important and so is the result, but it's sort of a mismatch, whereas in on loan, as long as you're as long as you win the game, the performance can be as bad as it wants.
1: I was just about to say that I think how <clears throat> I was gonna say what is the diff, the biggest difference with twenty threes and first team like first team like football and with like league one, league two, because I think what you see from the outset a lot of people call it it's a it's a it's a men but like a men's game when you play yeah. like League one League two and you like a lot of people think that their mortgages and stuff right? like that they're trying to get those bonuses that like might, might make a difference for them towards the end of the season I suppose when you're at the end of the twenty threes it's a bit
0: more I'm not gonna say the because you want to win every week, but there is a difference yeah, I think like you say there's I know especially when I was up in Scotland just recently um lads are living on like one year contracts, so mm. if you're not performing in this year you might drop out and you might be part-time, you'll have to get a job sort of thing, so if you're not winning on a Saturday, it's going to affect what's happening next year and, and your families and your wife, is she going to go to work or that sort of thing, so yeah, I think the 23s is, and I think that's the importance of the, the Senior Cup, I know we got a bit off Blythe and that sort of thing, but that's men's football and I think that's probably the only exposure that we really get to proper men's football, like big tackles, corners, people are stamping on your feet and that sort of thing, so the more of that that can get involved, I think, the better. Because then when you do step into the loan and you do tr- start training with men, it, it sort of sm- shortens the gap.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you were, when you were out on loan in, in League One, was there much communication between yourself and, and the club, whether it be Shola, whether it be um, Agnew, Clements, one of these, any of these guys?
0: Well, I think the year that I went on loan was the first year Shola had came in as the loans manager. So there was that relationship with Shola ringing you probably once every two weeks, how you're getting on and that sort of thing. But then by the end of my type, sorry, at written, that's when I'd fell out the team. So Shola was a bit more bit more involved with me. I think he was saying, do you still want to be there? And he was ringing the manager, that sort of thing. Um, to be honest, my time at written the manager was, was, although he didn't play as he was pretty straightforward, he was saying, "Oh, I want you to stay and that sort of thing. But at the time I was injured from the November until like, I ended up being from November until the end of March or something. So I was thinking, do I want to be sitting in a flat in Blackburn, injured, by myself, not playing? Or do I want to get back to Newcastle with me family, get this sorted and then crack on from there? Um, but no, there was that There was that relationship. I know probably before Shola came in, there might have been like a, you go out on loan, you fend for yourself sort of thing. But I think since Shola's came in, he's, he's been sound for everyone else, to be honest.
1: Has he been a breath of fresh air, Tom, has he showed sure up? Because I think there's we hear bits and bobs, but the general consensus is we needed something like
0: that. I think I think before he came in, it was sort of a gap between, I keep saying a gap between the first team and the 23s, but there was no one sort of ringing clubs saying, do you need a right winger? Do you need this? Do you need that? I think Shola's obviously his full-time job is getting that relationship before the clubs in the championship downwards sort of thing and, and building them relationships with clubs. So the more he can do that and the more he can know managers and know what they need, that sort of thing. I think before that it was just Newcastle or just waiting for a call to say, Oh, um, Scunthorpe need a goalkeeper. All right, well we might send him sort of thing. But now you've got Sholas saying, Well, these need a goalkeeper, these need a goalkeeper, these go- I'll ring them all, see which one's the best fit. Um, so I think him coming in has changed a lot, to be honest, yeah.
2: Yeah, you can't beat the Macam Slayer, can you? I'd, I'd be, <laughs> if I was him, I'd just be like, "Go on, tell tell us about the breaks. Tell us about the three, tell us about Emray's free kick. Us, <laughs> come on, Shola, tell us some stories. Um, I, would, did he ever kind of pass on sort of his sort of own um, sort of wisdom from his previous experiences? Because obviously, Shola played for <clears throat> Sir Bobby, and and when we were in Europe every season and getting to cup quarterfinals, semifinals. Um, not so much to me. I don't think. I think.
0: For me, obviously, well now there's there's Peter Ramage, obviously Harps yeah. is there, Shaula's there, so they've got that sort of the the players that have been there done that for the like the highest of the highs, you know what I mean? So for me, Peter Ramage was great. Obviously Harps is great. Like P- Rami plays cricket over the for the team just over the road for me sometimes. So we've got a good relationship. So I think they've got them people in the club now. If you've ever got any questions, they wouldn't hesitate to help you and, and that sort of thing. And I think sometimes they're probably like being quizzed so then they can go back around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Tom can you tell us about that first time you've been, you're going to be told that you're going to be training with the first team I know he was under wrap and we're not going to talk about the last bit of the training session but what was the biggest difference I know I, I suppose the quality is probably the, the first thing that comes to mind but is there anything that you remember doing or seeing somebody doing when
0: you were training going oh my god this is just ridiculous I think the first thing is probably nerves as soon as you get told your heart just goes oh god <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I think the speed. Um I think like in your twenty threes, you take your touch, you you play your pass. If you're up the top in the first team, you take your touch and you're like, Oh, someone's literally on you like that. Like you, you don't have time to think. Before you get the ball, you already know where it's gonna have to go because someone's on you straight away. I remember well, not so much with Rafa, but with Steve Bruce, we used to do like so a lot of small sided games. So it'd be like five V five in like a thirty yard area or something. And it was just literally man for man. You just have to follow your man. Not that it was programmed to be man for man, but everyone just sort of went man for man. And you were like, you can't score. I've got to follow you everywhere. And like, I'm running around and I'm like on my knees at the end thinking, this is absolutely a blow. And they're just like laughing at the end of the games and that. And I'm like, I'm blowing up my offs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're kind of training against, like obviously now we're in the Steve Bruce era of things, it's got to be an experience just to experience the likes of ASM and, oh. and, and players like that. I can imagine, what's, what's he like to train with?
0: <clears throat> I think even now, like, although I'm not at the club, everyone I see, like, everyone I'm out about to say, like, oh, what's he like? And I'm just like, everyone sees it, but you can't actually describe some of the things that he does. Like, some of the things, like the skills he does in between, like, players and I think, like, how are you doing that that fast? And I remember, like, like I say, once we do them small sided games, and he was just dribbling and dribbling and dribbling. Like you just couldn't get the ball off him. And sometimes I think, like, does he know what he's doing? But then, like, he obviously does because he like, chops you, and then he chops you again, then he'll like, roll it through your legs, then he'll come back and chop you again or something. And you're like, oh my God. It's like, like you say, it's scary, like some of the things he does.
1: I think uh, back to that kind of that training session, and you, you say you talk about St Maxim there, about how ridiculously good he can be at times. But it was there one player that you just saw straight away like, wow, like maybe I didn't know how good he was? Because I think when you maybe get into that environment, obviously you, 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 may, you probably get to see them uh, better because obviously <clears throat> you've got that connection from, obviously between the 23s and the thirteen But was there anyone that surprised you
0: maybe? I think there's probably two, I think. You know how good John Joe is until you train with him and he just like side foot one just so calmly into the top corner. Like there's just no pace on it and he'll just like angle it straight in the top corner and I think like I knew you were so good but you're doing like passes and goals that I think how are you even trying that? And then the other one for me was Matt Ritchie I think when I first went up under Rafa. Like so like demanding loud. Like he was sort of like a, a captain I think when I think of it like First one out of training every day. So we used to walk up from the academy, like through the gates, up the pitches, so they would come from the opposite direction. So we would probably be there a bit bit earlier and then he'd be the first out every time and then you'd do like a little bit of passing with him and he'd just be smashing it into you every time. And like, not to like be a a knob or like anything like that, but that's just who he is. Like everything's 100%. Like if it's not 100%, then don't bother coming out.
2: I, 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 Obviously... We're speaking at the end of the season now and as there's, there's an exciting transfer window possibly afoot and who knows, Matt Rich's time at Newcastle may well be coming to an end as well but I still think he's been one of the most important players at Newcastle over the past five, six years. I don't think without him we would have got back up from the Championship and would have stayed up that first season, back, scored some vital mm-hmm. goals but did you ever get uh... a... <laughs> <It's... laughs> He's such a character. Did you ever get like a smack on the head the one day? <laughs> I, knew, I knew that well? was
0: coming there. Like, uh, no, I don't think I've ever been on the receiving end of one, thankfully. like I've seen a few where uh, the ones where Matty Longstaff scored and he's just <laughs> smashing them on the top there like that. <laughs> yeah. But no, I've never had one. Oh. Just, uh, that just that seems to be so like a
2: rite of passage, though. You'd almost <laughs> want one, wouldn't you? <laughs> I know. Yeah. It means you've done yeah. something well, do not it? Yeah, Exactly. I was just going to say that, but I think Sam
1: makes a good point about Matt Ritchie because I think it's just standards, Tom. As soon as you get on that pitch, it's, you've got to be at that level because it's not going to be like anything less if you play against, I don't know,
0: Manchester City or Man United. Yeah, it. exactly. And I think, not that I'm saying this about Matt Ritchie, but all the lads when I was on loan as well and stuff, like some people that aren't at that top, top level quality-wise have got to make up for it with effort. And I think I'm probably one of them, to be honest. I'm not the most technically gifted or anything like that, but I'll work hard, I'll run for you all day sort of thing. So, I think being at that top, top level is not all about being the best player. I think you've got to work for it and I think he's a prime example of that. He's obviously got great quality, wonderful left foot, but he works so hard every day and doesn't accept anything apart from 100%. Yeah, I'd love a smack on
2: the head by Matt Ritchie. I really would. Uh, Obviously, like... With with Steve Bruce, you were uh, you were given a, a couple of chances in cup games. Obviously, got the assist for for Big Joe, but I can imagine at the same time you'd want more of it and more of it. But it never really seemed to arrive. Were you banging down the door of of Steve Bruce saying "Give me a chance"? Or did any of them conversations ever take place?
0: Um, not not so much Steve Bruce. I was quite had a few conversations with Steve Agnew and Steve Harper. Um, But like I say, at the time, there was quite a lot of injuries. So I'm not sure. At the the start, I was on the bench for quite a a while without coming off the bench, sorry. Um, So I think that might have been just making the numbers up, to be honest, for the first few times. Obviously, I was with them training every day, but with their injuries and stuff. And then once I did come on and get the assist, however, I was on the bench a few times after. And I remember we played Man City away. I think we were getting beat 5-0. Ten minutes to go. And he says, I'll go and warm up. I was like if there's going to be a game, there's nothing to lose, do you know what I mean? We're 5-0 down at the eddy yard. Like, it can't get much worse. And then he ended up bringing Atsu and Muto on. And I was like, if it's going to be a game, just chuck this on, like, just do it this one, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no pressure sort of thing, but it wasn't a B. And like I say, I look back on it now, I wouldn't change anything, do you know what I mean? But it is a bit frustrating that I never really got another shot at it, but you've got to take everything.
2: Is it true about that? Because I was like, we don't get to hear about things like this. But was it true about Steve Bruce and his training routines? Like, was there like lots of days off where you and the lads are like, bloody hell, we really, really should be training here? Uh, I can't really remember. To
0: be honest, I think because the days that they were off, I would probably go and train with the under twenty threes. So I, would, well, unfortunately, I probably didn't follow their schedule. Um, but from what I remember, I wouldn't say it was. Crazy compared to every other manager I've been with. Do you know what I mean? Um, there would be like the international breaks where you get a few days off. Um, probably rewarded if you win a game. You might be off the the Monday or the Sunday and the Monday. Sorry, but like I say, I I would always be in training with the 23s if they were in. So I'm not really sure. I'll be honest.
1: Hmm. Do, you, do you find it quite difficult maybe if people ask you about that the Steve Bruce time because he did give you that that game against Rochdale and I suppose you hear a lot of players Tom that speak about well, that manager gave me that opportunity and I can, I, I've can got that. I've got, I can keep that now. So, do you find it difficult maybe talking about
0: Steve? Yeah, I know. Maybe neg- negatively. I know quite a few of the fans might have been probably unhappy when he was there, but like I say, when I'm out and about and people ask, oh, what was he like? And I say, well, if it wasn't for him, then I wouldn't probably be sad here now. I wouldn't have this up. Like, I wouldn't have had the opportunity that I did. I wouldn't have played a game for Newcastle first team and I probably wouldn't have played in the eight, whatever, pre-season games that I did. But, yeah, for me, it was if he wasn't in that position that he was, then I wouldn't be where I am. So I've got to be grateful for him.
2: Yeah. I mean, for, again, from like the outside looking in from a purely fans perspective, it's, I suppose it was frustrating in a way because like you got your chance uh, in, in the cup replay and then wasn't really allowed to kick on with the first team. Matty Longstaff, probably the most famous one, winner against Man United and then. In and out of the side, injuries, loans, and and this, that, and the other. But he obviously seemed a lot more willing to give youth a chance to, than Rafa was.
0: Yeah, I think for the academy point of view, he was a lot better than Rafa. Like, even with the lads training up there, I would say maybe might be 20 odd, under tw- no, 23s. And I would say throughout of Steve Bruce's time, I would say probably has everyone got a chance to train up there. Um, whether you kept going up in that, that's a different question, but I would say everyone probably's got one chance to go up and train with them, which is good. Whereas under Rafa, I would say probably's a handful. If that, so from the youth point of view, I think that was that was good for everyone for the three years, whatever that it was. And then even now under Eddie Howe, I think there's quite a few lads have been up there quite often. They do eleven v eleven, whereas like under twenty threes against the first team and that sort of thing. So it's probably progressed through each manager, I think, like, Rafa, there was probably not much communication at all, Steve Bruce a fair bit and then now there's quite a, quite a good mix.
1: So, I'm not I'm not too sure on this 100%, so, in regards to Eddie Howe training session, how many times have you been in that situation under Eddie Howe? What's the biggest things that you've taken from his training session? To be
0: honest, I haven't really, I think I've only trained up there twice. Um, I got injured in January and then I only played the last four games of the season for the 23 so I had a hernia operation which took on about four months but we're not going into that um, so I only trained like right towards the back end two times I think um, but yeah like from obviously the videos and the, and the photos you see I think he's very like hands-on him and his staff um, which is good I think he's tactically obviously really really into it um, and obviously he's, he's turned everything around so he can't be doing too much wrong
2: <laughs> yeah I mean who was it that told you that your contract's not you're not going to be offered a new deal or was, was it Eddie Howley or was it left to, to Ben Dawson or uh, someone no it was become...
0: it was Steve Harper, i be honest um, I think he told all, all the lads um, but like you say like what I said at the start I sort of knew it was coming and I think yeah. he sort of was easier for him to break the news I think the way he said it was like we we'll both sort of know how this is going to go and I was just like yeah do you know what I mean like not that I'm bitter about it, obviously, but it was, like I say, I think it is time for us to have a fresh start somewhere. Um, I'm at that age now where you've got to be in the Premier League squad and the way the club's going, it's <laughs> don't think they're going to give me a chance when they can buy someone for £100 million or something. <laughs> we're,
1: Come we're on, no. FFP, FFP. <laughs> FFP. Yeah. We'll talk about the club and where it might be going to uh, later on, but I just want to kind of just quickly go back onto a couple of little things. Going to China, and playing the likes of Wolves, for example. Um, I'll not talk about the goal. Good finish, I'll,
0: I'll tell you. It was a great finish. was. <Well,
1: laughs>
0: calmly slotted away. It was. <laughs> oh uh,
1: but how. I, was gonna, I, I can imagine that being quite a difficult trip because we were, we, me and Sam were talking about that game in particular and thinking, wow, there was no first team manager. I don't, I, like I say, there was a few players that I, I, we hadn't really seen kick a ball for Newcastle. So what was the mood in the, in the camp like in China at the start? And by the time it finished, we beat West Ham and Steve Bruce was, was in China. So it, yeah. I can imagine it got better throughout the time.
0: I remember, so for me, it was a bit weird because we went to Hong Kong. We played in the Hong Kong tournament about three weeks beforehand. And there was like a group of the five players that went. So there was like the one really Matty Longstaff, Elias and all that, who had already handed the passport in, who like sort of had a chance of going. Um, and I wasn't one of them, so I was a bit disappointed. And then the day before, we were meant to return for pre-season. The 23s were going to Spain, and the first team was staying in England for a week. And then that's when Ben Dawson must have t- taken over, and he rang me and he said, they're all going to Spain. I want you to stay and train with us. Bring your passport in tomorrow. You'll, you'll be going to China. So I, I was like, Phew, I'm going to China by myself. No other 23s are going. And I was like, oh, God. Um so, yeah, we were trained for a week and stuff. Um, and then it turns out, like, all the lads ended up coming. So, it was quite a good trip, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, it, it was probably for, for us young lads, it was a bit easier that it was Ben that was taking the sessions. Um, so, he could sort of break that ice and, and that sort of thing. And to be honest, every, every time I've been involved with the first team, the lads are spot on. So, not that I was ever uncomfortable or anything anyways. Um, and then, yeah, I think... We played the Wolves game and then it might have been about two days after was when Steve Bruce came out and I think he took, uh, his first session was the day before the West Ham game um, and I know he wasn't in the dugout, I don't think, for the West Ham game. Ben Ben ended up taking the game but he'd done the session, I think, the day before. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit like hum and and you see, obviously, like, same as everyone else, I don't think we found out until it was on Sky Sports sort of thing. Um Really? Yeah, I think I think I remember seeing it. Like you see all the the talks and that sort of thing, and then you see like videos of them in the airport. and You think like he's probably coming to meet us, yeah, and we don't even know anything about it, sort of thing. So, but yeah, it was a trip that I really enjoyed, and to be fair, I'm so grateful for the Rochdale game that everyone forgets about the Wolves game. <laughs> I think I said that in one of the interviews after I said. After the Rochdale game, I said, oh, "I'm so glad that's happened, so that I don't have to talk about the Wolves game now." Said <laughs> I'm on about the cricket pitch over the road. I've got a like a shirt signed over there, and it's got like the Asia Trophy thing there. And every time I go over, they go, "Is that the one that you scored an own goal?" And I said, "Oh no, that's from the other game." <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, oh yeah, that that Wolves game won a great, <laughs> but it didn't oh. help it was televised on Sky as well. Oh, I know. Well, I remember my girlfriend was on holiday with
0: her friends. And like, uh, she was saying, Oh, when I got back, she was like, Oh, I kept seeing you all over the the TV and stuff. Hello, yeah. oh, there yeah. we go. Can you hear yeah, oh, I think someone's me. just phoned us there. That's why I was saying, uh, don't about my girlfriend was on holiday at the time, and uh, she says she came back, and uh, well, she was there, she kept saying to all our friends, Oh, Tom's getting loads of screen time. That's so good, isn't it? And then a friend was like, "Oh, yeah, it's because he scored his own goal." She was like, "Oh, <laughs> <God."> <laughs> uh, oh no!" But no, I like to say, I would, it, at the time, it was probably in my head. I was like, "It's a first team appearance." You know what I mean? It was something that I could never be taken away from as soon as I stepped on the pitch. So, it's another thing that I would never change. It doesn't matter how the game went. Ben Dawson, can you tell us a little bit about him
1: because I think when he kind of when he came in, it was it was an unknown quantity let's be honest, but the respect that he seems to have got from the, uh, to the younger players and, and probably the fans now, I think the fans trust Ben Dawson in any role at the football club, so what what is he like on a day-to-day basis, what's his good things?
0: Yeah, Ben's, Ben was being great for me, I think, once I found out that I wasn't staying at the club and stuff, he texts us and I text him back saying, you've been great for me, everything you've done and that sort of thing. Ben was probably the one that changed me from a strike to a right midfielder, Um. So, without him, God knows where I'd be, to be honest. Um, he, he turned that 23s team round when we played Sunderland in the air, uh, that Papa John's Trophy or whatever it's called now. Um, yeah, like you say, there's some great players that came out with that 23s team, like uh, Matty, Elias, Carl Roberts. That year was was a bit mad, to be honest. Um, got a two-cup finals with him. Every day is just like, a bit like, probably how Eddie Howe likes him, to be honest. He's quite tactical um a lot of like walkthrough stuff, patterns of play, that sort of thing. And obviously he got his chance with the first team and he's he's grasped it and obviously like him up there so hopefully he stays up there.
2: So who is in your opinion from from playing with these lads for for a few years who's the next star to come out of the, the under 23s? <laughs> is it is it someone like a Lucas Debol or is it Santiago Munez. And is there much crack in the in the under-23s dressing room about goal?
0: <laughs> Do you know what? Santi's one of the funniest people ever, man, I swear. He, he went to uh, school in Texas or somewhere, so he's got like a Mexican-American accent. So he's so funny. Um, but, yeah, he's a great player, so hopefully he gets a chance next year. Well, uh, you obviously can't obviously class Elliot Anderson as 23s, but he's going to hopefully just tear it up. He's ridiculous. Um yeah, Lucas has been involved this year. I think when I first came back from loan at he was with the 23s. And since I came back then, like I've never probably seen a player progress so much. Like um, Michael Richardson, that used to be at Newcastle, the kit man now, he, me and him call him the glider because he just like, glides past people in midfield with the ball. Um, but yeah, I think Lucas has got a great chance and obviously they like him. He's been up with the first team training and being involved. So yeah, I'd like to see him giving a shot, to be honest. It would, be, it would be great to see
2: that, wouldn't it, Sam? It would, but I'm desperate for Santiago Munoz to um, just get a game against Fulham next season. <laughs> Whatever happens. If he never plays for us again, as long as he gets his game against Fulham, then, that, then that's enough I for think me.
0: he told <laughs> us when he first signed, the actor that played Santiago Munoz phoned him on FaceTime.
2: No way. <laughs> yeah, when
0: he, when he first signed, he FaceTimed him to have a chat with him about it and stuff. It was, it was crazy. But like, oh, he's, like in, <clears throat> Sant- he's like massive, in Santi's like huge in Mexico. So I think when he first came over, and I was like, "Oh, he FaceTimes." So I was like, "You know how cool that is." He was like, "Oh, just like <laughs> he just like played it off as <laughs> it was nothing." I was like, "Honestly, oh, that's like the best story you can tell in Newcastle." <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine saying that in like the big market or something? Uh, That'd be Two minutes, <laughs> <him, he's laughs>
0: FaceTime Sant- Santiago Munoz and then it's like hey, that <laughs> <he's out there." laughs>
1: Crazy. Oh, that's cool. That's that. That's really good. Um, let's talk about that Rottsdale game then. When did you know that you were going to be coming on? Was it, Was it? obviously, you knew you were going to be in the, in the score, going on the bench? But did Sipu say at 3 0 half time, get ready, you're coming on quite soon? Or um, or it just
0: I think, well, you, you, you see, it was 3 0 half time, and um, the managers must have done like a little meeting before they'd done the, the half time team talk, and um, they'd done and said whatever they said, and then Hobbs came up to us and said, oh, be ready, I've, I've, I've put you forward sort of thing. Um, so I thought like, alright, yeah, like, didn't really think much of it, I just done my warm-up and all that sort of thing and then, I the don't think like it really kicked in, I was warming up um, and then I just hear like, Tom, Tom, and I'm like looking around thinking like, is there not another Tom? <laughs> and then um, and then yeah, he, he called us over and I think that's sort of when like that heart drop moment hits, like you think like this is going to happen in front of Like I had, I don't know how many people there, do you know what I mean? Like all my friends, all my family and however many fans, I think like that's when it kicks in. Like no one's going to take this moment away from you. Like you've done the preseason games, but this is like an official game sort of thing. And then obviously I came off the bench and couldn't have had a worse five minutes in my life if I tried, I think passed one out of play. One's went under my foot in front of the dugout. I'm thinking it's going to be a long half an hour sort of thing. And then obviously once you get into the game everything sort of settles down and and it went from there but yeah i just remember thinking like it was only i think i was on for like 35 minutes or what have you and i was thinking like i am blown here and i, I remember like we took a throw in next to the dugout and i must have run back and then i was taking the throw in, and then steve bruce was like you're a bit tired there son and i was like absolutely <laughs> blown up y'all, so I think you've got like all that adrenaline, like the nervous energy and all that sort of thing. And it just wipes everything out of you. And I think like by like two minutes ago, I was thinking, please blow the whistle. I am shattered here. And then we went training the next day and I was like, honestly, my legs are dead. And I've only played 35 minutes, you know what I mean? I've played like 120 minutes before and I've been fine the next day. And it just sort of wiped everything out of us. I think the whole occasion and everything was something I never, ever expected to happen to us. And then once it did, like, you don't know what to do sort of thing. Like now, I look back on the game and I think I've never ever watched the game back, and I just like think I don't actually want to. I just want to just remember it in my head and and that sort of thing. Like, so the, at the time, like my granddad was there. He's never been to a game since because he's he's probably can't get up the stairs and that sort of thing. And I think like it's just such a like fitting thing to happen. Everyone was there. My girlfriend, her family, my family. My mum came. She was crying and that sort of thing. And it was just like something amazing that obviously I wish could have happened more, but. It didn't, but like I say, no one can change and take that away.
2: Exactly. So great night, and uh, you know, you may have let one go uh, under your foot by the dugout, but you still got the assist for, yeah, for exactly for, for Big Joe. I mean, what was your opinion of him having trained with him a, a couple of times? I've got, this was when he was still a forty million pound number nine before he turned into Prime Vieira. So, what what did you what was he like to to train with when he was obviously struggling?
0: Yeah, I think, like, I remember Sean came out a few weeks ago and said, like, everyone knows how good he is and how good he has been. He just probably hasn't had that bit of luck. That's went his way. Um, He's obviously got, like, crazy ability. And I think everyone's seen that, but it was probably just that little click that needed to happen. And now it's clicked. You think, wow, he's unbelievable. But he's always had that in him. And I think, like I say, it was probably just that, bit of luck, the team probably weren't doing as well as everyone wanted. All that pressure on them and that sort of thing. But there's always that player inside them that has now came out when everyone's realised. But the lads that train with him every day seen that probably day in and day out and knew it was there. And now everyone's so happy for him that they knew it was coming sort of thing.
1: Yeah it's fantastic because I, I think I, I think myself and we all were very skeptical on Joe Linton. I think we every, every fan was probably thinking, what well, we're not here? Yeah. But it just, it's nice to be proven wrong, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I exactly. think, I I think absolutely.
0: The, the price tag was probably something that Newcastle fans thought, wow, 40 million, we're going to get like a world beat, that sort of thing, because we've never spent that sort of money before. So, like, it's not his fault that he costs that much, do you know what I mean? And fans probably maybe over expected from him. Um, and now, obviously, you, you can see he's probably worth double <laughs> the way he's played the last <laughs> year, do you know what I mean? So, no one's complaining now, so. Yeah, it's all worked out well.
2: Yeah. I mean, against Arsenal the other week, he looked every inch of £40 million midfielder. It was just unbelievable. I mean, just can you tell a noticeable difference and what was your personal feelings and your personal memories of the takeover, the takeover saga, takeover night? Did you try and just trying to sneak off to St. James's Park just to maybe soak up the atmosphere a little bit. Unfortunately,
0: I was still up in Scotland, me, so I couldn't get back, but I know all my friends were at the stadium with the cans and all that sort of thing, but obviously it was building up for like that week beforehand and everyone was like, is it, when's it going to be announced, when's it going to be announced, and I think I was sitting in a flat up in Scotland and I was just like, God knows, like you see like, the however much they're worth compared to the Man City owners and you think like, it's actually quite scary, do you know what I mean? Like, And you just think, it's fast, you just want to like fast forward 10 years and just see where we are.
2: Yeah. you go
0: forward 10 years for one day and think, then come back and just think, get your seatbelt on. <laughs> did you ever um, speak to Amanda or me or dad or anybody that, that was the new ownership or did they ever come speak to the, the academy at all? I think they did come down and speak to everyone, but I was away at the time. Um, I think they met everyone face to face and that sort of thing, um, but not when I was back anyways. Um, I know they are quite, frequently with the first team. Uh, they were in there quite a bit, I think. Um, but no, I've never met them. I've only had a message off Medrider when I left on Twitter. So. <laughs> well, nice that, that's
2: that's still a hundred times more than what you would have got under Ashley and Charlie, wasn't it? So uh, it, it's not all bad, was it? But obviously, looking for a club now, Tom, are you wanting to stay in and around the north or northeast or are you willing to, to travel anywhere and... Having that experience of going to Scotland, going to China, going go to Accrington, are you willing to, to move away um, from family?
0: I think, yeah, I think I've already done it sort of thing. So obviously I have a girlfriend up here in Newcastle, but we've got on with moving away before. So I think that's probably not an option. I think it's just the opportunity, um, the playing games. I think it's not about where I go, who the club is. It's just enjoying football. I think you look at like, Jamie Sterry, for example, he went to South Shields for a few weeks and then went to Hartlepool. Like, and he's I've spoke to him and he's he says he's never probably enjoyed football as much as he has. Same with Owen Bailey, probably took like a bit of a hit and thought, oh, I'm going to Gateshead, but he loves it. You know what I mean? And that's all. That's all. That it's about. I think as long as you're enjoying football and playing week in week out, then it doesn't really matter where you are as long as you're happy. Yeah, definitely. That's. I think that's absolutely bang on. And
1: um, just last couple of questions, I suppose what I have to ask about. Newcastle in the future you obviously touched about how in 10 years time you'd like to go and see what it's like for a day but where do you think the club will be in five years time do you think the, do you think the club will be minimum fighting to for the champions league or do you think they could do even better than that
0: I'm not sure because I think for the last 10 years I sort of had like a player head on and now I can just totally take that off and just put like a fan hat on and I think like if you say with the FFP and stuff, you'd like them to just go crazy this summer. (laughs) I don't know what the rules are of how much they can spend and stuff like that, but you just think like, I think I was watching the Champions League on holiday and stuff and I was thinking like, Hazard or like someone like that, just like, just to just like say, this is us, like that sort of thing. But I don't know, like you say, it seems like they're going to sort of do it a slow 10-year plan sort of thing. So I think for the next two or three years, make sure we're finishing top 10 and then, like you say, the four and five creep into, like, the Wolves sort of territory. Like, there's no way, there's no reason why Wolves should be a better team than us, you know what I mean? And they have been the last six or seven years. Um, same with, like, Aston Villas and that sort of thing. Like, within two or three years, we should be ahead of them. Um. So, yeah, probably five, year five, I would say, top six, hopefully.
2: I mean, you say about a slow build, but if, I mean, bringing players like Bruno in is building slow, then I'll take that every day of the week. I mean, <laughs> If, if you obviously can appreciate him a lot more having you know knowing the game playing the game and to it a, to, a, to a good standard and just what a player he looks different, yeah, crazy. it's
0: scary, isn't it? Like gets the ball anywhere on the pitch, sort of thing. Like he's never like shy of getting the ball. And was it Norwich away when he chipped the keeper and like, yeah,
2: poor Tim Crawl.
0: Yeah, I was thinking if that's me, I would just take a touch, try it in for the bottom corner, and he's just like, sort of gave him the eyes, just scooped it over him. Teased the defender on the line when he's dived in, and I'm just thinking like, so so good to watching it. And like you say, if that's the first signing that the big name they're going to sign, then what's to come? Exactly. If there was one
1: player you'd like to see coming the summer for Newcastle, who would you like to see?
0: What's the budget? Uh, I'm not sure like I say I think someone like Hazard I think like if it's we've got unlimited money I think he's probably had a bit of a time at Real Madrid where he thinks should I have came that sort of thing the player that he was at Chelsea if he could get that for two three years at Newcastle then pff, the fans like Saint-Maximin but imagine Hazard and Saint-Maximin in the same team
2: he's
0: that's scary that's, how I, that's who I would go for anyways
2: yeah don't that. yeah I don't I, yeah, I, the problem is that you get you get them players of an age where they just go for one like final paycheck. I don't know. It's Hazard still got it. He was one hell of a player, as you say. I remember it would have been about ten years ago when Hazard came to the training ground and people thought, "Oh my God, what's going on here?" But it turned out he was just seeing his mate Kabai. <laughs>
0: yeah, imagine he was another player by the way. Kabai.
2: Oh, wasn't he just my yeah. word? But I don't know. I. I I'd want to see Saka from Arsenal in a Newcastle. Boy, a Toon fan as well. And that's incredible. It's it's silly talking about stuff like that because he's obviously never going to leave Arsenal to come to Newcastle. But you never know anymore, do you?
0: Exactly. Nothing. And there's money talks, you know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If you triple his wages, I'm sure he might consider it. (laughs) I'm sure he would. I think anybody would. Uh, Just Uh, finally, Tom, what was your favourite
1: moment at Newcastle United?
0: got to be the Rochdale game I think like I said before it's like even I put it on the Instagram post and stuff when I left like to have the chance to play in front of thousands of Newcastle fans and family and friends and all in one night then something that would never change and yeah no one can take that away from us so one
1: of them. (laughs) Not a bad answer at all not a bad answer at all Sam where can anybody listen to this podcast?
2: Link's in the description, everywhere where you can listen to your podcasts and uh, leave a five-star review. And don't forget to subscribe to Newcastle Fans TV and keep an eye on Tom's journey because you can play, lad. So it's just the start of the journey.
0: Yeah, perfect. Cheers, lads. Really enjoyed that.
2: Yeah, Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Grooming
1: and the show. We're not far off 100 episodes, sir. So you've made the first 100 anyway. Thank uh, you. <laughs> this has- so it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, this has been the Green and Moonless Show, myself, Sam, and Tom. We'll see you all very soon.
0: Newcastle Fans TV.